I'm Todd Nathanson. Uh, <laughs> I'm Danny Roth. And this is Song versus Song. <laughs> On today's podcast... Should I have said, I'm Danny Roth? There you go. <laughs> yes. There you go. Okay. Well, on today's podcast, we will be debating which is the better of the early 2000s chick rock-ish pop songs. I don't have a pithy, pithy name for this one. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I have a bunch of episodes that I came up with that I, I'll just throw at the end of this episode. Um, some of that are, I had another girl uh, group one, like a, a girl pairing. Well, well, we'll see on this. Yeah, but oh, we'll be doing it, I guarantee. It's probably already <laughs> on your list, but go ahead. Okay, well, anyway, the two songs are Get the Party Started by Pink from 2001's album Misunderstood and Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson off the 2004 album Breakaway. And uh, which one did you pick again? As uh, if I don't remember, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I wanted an easy victory in life, so I, I picked <laughs> Since You've Been Gone. Which and, at the time it seemed like it was definitely going to win, and just based on the comments that we've gotten, I feel pretty confident that I was right in that estimation. Well, that puts me on the other side of get the party started, and you know, be honest, I was a little iffy on that one when I uh, at the last podcast, I was like, "It's like, can you really defend that?" And I was like, mm. "But you know, now that I've been listening to it, he's like, yeah, yeah, I think I can. I think I can. I am. Uh, I, I realize this is a bit of an underdog battle here, but yeah." But there's so all right. So there's a lot of reasons to pit these songs against each other. Um, I think the most obvious being uh, that historically these are two women who had albums come out, their first albums, which had some success, but weren't really um, career defining. They didn't really have a sense of who they were or where they were headed. Yeah, you would. Uh you would mark them down as like the B team of pop stars yeah. after those first debut albums. Yes. But then they both had sophomore albums that were far more successful, definitely gave them respectively as artists, a sense of identity and what the future of their careers could be. Yeah. And these are, um, I guess they're sign- Well, definitely the signature song for Kelly Clarkson. And if I had to guess what the signature song is for pink, like there are, it's not. It's less clear, but I think it would be get the party started because that was, that was her star making moment. That was her moment in the limelight. On Spotify, the uh, the most played song by Pink is "Just Give Me a Reason." Oh, that that makes sense because it's very popular and it's very uh, cross genre. But it doesn't make sense because that song sucks. Oh, but. <laughs> I'll tell you something. Um, complete sidebar here, but my favorite Pink song is Just Give Me a Reason, but not her version of the song. What? Is it, was it on Glee? No, it was. Uh, I, so, I it so, was so, so a really, a really, I don't want to say it's embarrassing, but I did watch several seasons of The Voice. Ah. Uh. And uh, one of the contestants... From The Voice, uh, this singer uh, called Michelle Shamuel, who uh, people really liked. She kind of, it, she had like a weird Tina Fey quality to her, mm-hmm. but she did a, a version of this song uh, that's great. Uh, look it up. Uh, make sure you get the live version, not the one that they put on iTunes, which is not good. Her actual live rendition of the song is great. Uh, it's the only reason that I even had known about that song. And they're like, oh, that's a Pink song. And I was like, nah, it's a Michelle Chamuel song. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's anyway. Pink featuring Nate Ruiz of Fun Song. But Yeah, I, yes. I know how you love fun. Uh, yeah, 
I had fun once. Yeah, <laughs> it was terrible. You hated it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's sort of like your first big thing that makes it clear why you would pick these two songs. Uh, it's not just the era that they came out. It's that these were the songs that defined these two women's careers. Yeah, and they've kind of had parallel careers, really. You know, they radically reinvented themselves with their second album. Right. And uh, they had rocky third albums that could conceivably have killed their careers in the in the bud. Like, they were could have been one-album wonders. But uh, they recovered, and they are still... They've still got songs out right now in 2019, which is ridiculous and insane. Like, who who lasts that long? Only, like, the very smart and the very canny people who know how to manage their image, which you would not really think of considering they had that rocky third album. And, you know, they've uh, just... Uh, radically redefined themselves and they managed to just know what they're doing more than like almost any other uh, pop star working today except uh, you know I guess there are quite a few who are working today but none from like 2002 yeah I mean I certainly agree with that Uh, so the other thing that uh, sort of makes these interesting and sort of I guess would lead us to talk about since you've been gone in particular is that that song was originally pitched to pink which song since you've been gone really i did not know that yes that is the first person that they approached so since you've been gone so the story of since you've been gone um is that it was uh written by um max martin and uh and dr luke uh Uh we're just gonna leave that to the side there's one thing i'll probably say that's tangential to the i just don't want to talk about kesha that's 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 a subject for a very different podcast i was gonna bring up kesha myself oh i mean feel free i mean there's a reason to not like dr luke that's for sure but somebody there's a comment that somebody said that um get the party started is um yeah start you know was a kesha song before kesha yeah the party don't start till she walks in yeah. Uh, wait. Yes. Um, so, all right. So it was written by those two fellas, um, Dr. Luke being pretty infamous at this point, but who, who was a who's a big pop guy at yeah. the time. So um, the reason that he wrote the song is because he was angry at an indie rock song. He was angry at an indie rock song? Yes. There was a song that came out that he was really annoyed with because it had a really great intro it was really strong he felt it was a song that was operating at a, like a seven maybe even an eight and when you get to the chorus it just drops down to a five and he said what if we just redid this song more or less exactly except give it a really kick-ass chorus what is do you can you name the song i can name the song what is that it is maps by it, it yeah, really yeah, is yeah, maps yes. oh wow i did not know it was like directly inspired by it because you know since you've been gone was instantly hailed as a masterpiece. Yes, it, it was. And if there was like one knock against it, it was like, well, they kind of ripped off maps a little, right? At that, especially at the bridge. And it's like almost identical to a a, a part in maps by the AAS. And it's in the same key. Yeah. So, yes, the reality is that Dr. Luke did, in fact, want to do a pop version of that song. Karen O was not happy about it. Oh, I did not. She at one point actually argued that she should have a writing credit on that song. Uh, Eventually, as far as I know, she let it go. 
if it, if it were 2019, she would get that credit. They'd have cleared that with her in advance since the Blurred Lines yeah, verdict. Yes, at this point, things have changed. But uh, yeah, prior to Blurred Lines, I think that people had a... I mean, there were other landmark cases where stuff happened, but I think we were sort of in a in a dead space where it had been a while mm-hmm. since uh, people had gotten sued um, pretty heftily. Uh, but yeah, so it was kind of inspired by this song, Maps, by the AAS. Uh, I think my dig at, at Dr. Luke is that him feeling like that song doesn't have that intense emotion makes him seem like a a real moron, like yeah. a, like a like a robot. <laughs> you know, since you've been gone is great. It's it's a triumphant song. It makes you feel good. But I'll tell you, um, Maps is a song that if I listen to it today, I will feel something intense. I yes. will feel something profound. That is one of the best songs of my lifetime i think maps is genuinely i think one of the greatest songs i've ever heard in my life period i fucking love maps yeah also an instant classic maps by the aas yeah i think it's tremendous uh since you've been gone is i think so in in summation since you've been gone is great um it is a great karaoke song Whereas well, if, you, if you're if you've got the voice for it if you yeah well <laughs> i mean here's the thing you don't it's karaoke kid you don't need to be good I, you can go and sing it bad. That's what people yeah. do. Like people go and get drunk and sing bad, sing songs they shouldn't sing. I think that since you've been gone is a classic example of that. It's a lot of fun to sing, even if you can't do it. I feel like that's more like a car ride song. Like I guess so. I could see it being both. Whereas, so it's it's that's a song that is uh, a jam. It's the kind of thing that makes you jump up and down. But um, the thing about get the party started is that it is the superior dance song. That's a dance song. You know, I had some people tell me, it's like, I don't see what ha- these things have in common. Get the Party Started as a dance song, Since You've Been Gone is like a rock and roll song. And, and you know, this is like, Get the Party Started is like a funky R&B kind of thing. I, can't, I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I guess. I mean, I think it's what's kind of interesting about it is that they take somewhat opposite journeys, right? Because if you look yeah. at it, the this song, um, Since You've Been Gone, the first version of it was much, much poppier um, the instrumentation that they were using was much poppier. It was all artificial kind of stuff. And by the time it finally got to Kelly Clarkson, it was Kelly Clarkson who said, um, I want to put guitars in this instead. Mm-hmm. Like, this this deserves to be more of a rock song that's more in theme with Breakaway, the album that I'm making. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why the song ultimately wound up in the state that it did. It was a pop artist saying this thing should be more rock. And um, Get the Party Started is written by the lead <laughs> singer of the Four Non Blondes. Linda Perry. Linda uh, Perry, pr- probably one of, uh, again, one of the most prolific songwriters of the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. The, and this song is the song that set her on the path to be someone that wrote songs rather than try to have a, a, a solo career as a, as, a, as a singer-songwriter putting out albums. But this song she made because... Um, she sensed that, that things were changing. She was asking what people were listening to on the radio, like what the, what was happening in the music scene. She was like, this sucks, uh, but I guess I'll just make a hilarious <laughs> joke of it, like have fun. A piss she, take. And, uh, yeah, and yeah. she got, yeah, she, she, she got Pro Tools, a thing that she'd never used before, and her experimentation with Pro Tools produced Get the Party Started. Well, yeah, I was reading what she said about it, and she was like, she clearly comes from this from like a weird angle, and she was like, I was trying to do every single thing wrong. 
Like I was trying to, uh, you know, put instruments in there that just don't go there. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm going to write a bunch of cliches that are all stupid that I don't really believe in. And uh, she came up with like, like when she looked back at it, this like mess disaster that she was trying to make. She was like, actually, this is really good. Yeah. And uh, and at the same time, Pink, who was a fan of hers, had, I guess, reached out and said, hey, call me back. I want to talk to you, and if you don't call me back, I'm just going to find you, <laughs> which is really uh, on-brand pink. Yeah, you can't really find a more on-brand uh, pink thing than that. She is very she is very intense. She knows what she wants, and she's very good at chasing after it. So um, Linda Perry thought, you must have me mistaken with a different Linda Perry. <laughs> and, and she had no idea who pink was at the time. And, yeah, you know, pink but was- she listened to the music that had been put out so far and said, "There's no, 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 this, this, this doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. And uh, and Pink said, "Nope, you wrote this song, right? I love this song." She, I guess, had the cops calling her at one point because she was blasting this four non blonde song, and you know, at the, three a.m. liking four non blondes and their one song is extremely on brand for Pink. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, so, on brand for Pink as we know her now. Yeah, and, but at the time, it probably would make sense for Linda Perry to not see it that way. Yeah, well, you know. Four Non Blondes has a very, very strange place in the, like, the pop culture canon because there are people who will absolutely ride and die for that one song, their one hit, What's Going... It's called What's Up. It is called What's Up. The, the chorus goes, What's Going On. I know. And, I'm aware. Yeah, and uh, there are people <laughs> who are like absolutely ride or die for that, and there are other people, including me, who cannot be in the room when that song comes on. I feel like if you... It does seem like a song that could inspire other people to write better songs. I'll give it that much. But I have never really understood why anyone can even be in the room while that song is on. Like, it, it, it speaks to a certain brand of 90s uh, chick rock. Here's the, that, thing, the thing that's most interesting is that you're talking about What's Up. That was not the song. Oh, really? Nope. It was a song called Dear Mr. President. Did they? Oh, quite pres- presciently. <laughs> Dear Mr. President is the name of the song that. Um, That's funny because Pink, Pink wrote a, wrote a song out. with that title also. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah, I, I guess, I, that wow, was she, yeah. the inspiration. The, yes, the question was: Is this the Linda Perry uh, who sang Dear Mr. President and Four Non Blondes? That was that was what Pink asked to make sure. She was like, uh, "I'm pretty sure I got the right person." Yeah. Uh, so that was apparently the song that she really loved. But so, like at the time, like if you were like a super fan, you would this would be a good thing to you. But like at the time, I remember even at the time, this was like largely considered a terrible song, like one of the classic bad hit songs, like with Ice Ice Baby, Four Non Blondes. What, what's up? Yeah. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah. Unabashedly. <laughs> I don't care. So that was like a brave thing to go out there and try and do. Yeah, but to be really clear, Pink, in her first album, was, there was R&B, she was kind of rapping a little bit. Yeah, It's a really different record, and I think that if you're younger, you might not realize just how different she was. She was uh, more R&B than the other, like, well, she says she was tired of being compared to damn Britney Spears, but I don't see a, hear a single thing about Britney in her first album. It's, no, and I think that that was just because she was blonde and yeah. um, and and a girl singer. Everybody was being compared to Britney Spears. That's the reason why, you know, I mean, yeah. just like, even if you weren't a blonde, I mean, everybody at that point, because it wasn't just Pink, it was, you know, Jessica Simpson and Mandy Moore and Christina Aguilera, all these singers that had their own yeah. identities um, would be compared with Britney because she just was the first the top of the hill. Yeah, like if you if it 
if it sounds like anything, that first album, it's more like, you know, TLC or Mary J. Blige or Destiny's exactly. Child. Exactly. That's really where she was existing at the time. So Get the Party Started basically um, was written as a dance song. And so when Pink very um, intensely said, I want to work with you, Linda Perry was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. And realized that she had this song that maybe would make sense for this person and said, here. Yeah, well, like, from what I understand, I, I went back and watched her behind the music. It was like they'd written, they got together and they immediately wrote like five songs. And it was like, hey, now that you mention it, I did write this little thing. Yeah. Actually, this is a funny thing. I just, like, this is just something that came out in like the last year. The first person she offered uh, Get the Party Started to was Madonna. Madonna, yes. Which that sounds absolutely ridiculous to me. Like, can you even imagine Madonna? Uh, also, at the time, that was the music box era of Madonna, right? Uh, oh yeah, music. music. Music makes the people. Well, she was already she's already too old at that point to be doing "Get the Party Started." That is a young person's song. Yeah, it which is why Linda Perry didn't sing it herself. Also, many other reasons, I'm sure. Yeah, but, but uh, yes. So they they had gotten to the point where they were recording uh, "Get the Party Started." And Linda Perry said, oh, this is going to be a huge hit. This is going to change the trajectory of your entire career. And Pink apparently kind of laughed it off. I suspect she, I mean, look, if you're the actual artist in question whose face is going to be on everything, it would be folly to go, you're right. Um, (laughs) That's just inviting pain uh, and misery. (laughs) But uh, Linda Perry was absolutely correct. This is the song that made Pink a star for reals. It, it was kind of like the transition just to like ease people into like the real pink because it was R&B enough that you could like, yes, I remember you from There You Go and You Make Me Sick and I guess what's it, most girls, not none of these are good songs, but like it's a transition to uh, and, you know, I'm I'm different and that song's a little more rock, a little more rock and roll. And then you can transition to the oh, also, I hate being a pop star and I'm completely fucked up, which is the rest of that album misunderstood. Since You've Been Gone, while we were talking about it, Since You've Been Gone was hailed as an instant classic, and I loved it right away, and like all the indie rock people were also way into Kelly Clarkson. It was a huge thing. Honestly, in 2019, I was one of those people, but I, honestly, I'm, I'm a little tired of it 15 years after it being an undisputed masterpiece. It's still, f- I mean, yeah. I guess maybe it doesn't, maybe the shines come off a little bit temporarily, but I just, the yeah. thing is that eventually it, it's going to shine right back up again. Yeah, That's the I, thing I is it won't gonna... stay that way forever. I know. I think what's more interesting about it is um, that it was, they had, so they had done all the rest of Breakthrough, which is that second record. Breakaway. Breakaway, excuse me. Breakaway, uh, and um, it didn't have a single. That was, mm-hmm. that was, you know, which is, this is like a really common pop story, right? Mm-hmm. And rock story too, where you make an album and there's no single on it, yeah. so they tell you to go back to basics and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this case, it was Clive Davis saying, "Hey, this doesn't have a single." Mm-hmm. Uh, and Clive Davis had to convince these guys, um, Doctor Luke, etc., to give the song to Kelly Clarkson because they thought there just wasn't any future in that stuff. Right? That mm-hmm. the sense that the Backstreet Boy kind of era, the Britney Spears era was over. They saw Kelly Clarkson as being a part of that. She was this completely prefabricated star created by a television show, American Idol. She was the first American Idol winner, just in case anybody yeah, somehow and- missed that, which is still <laughs> probably the, the most notable thing about you know, her. American Idol was a hit its first season. It was a fine hit. wasn't like the monster it became in like seasons two through four. 
Right. It, it was like a little cheap little show, make money off of it. And Kelly Clarkson, you know, she was a deserving winner. She was impressive on the show, but there was like no evidence that this could really turn into anything. No, and it's really what's interesting about American Idol is that though it has produced a number of people that actually have had careers, Kelly Clarkson is still uniformly felt as being the greatest pop star that the show ever produced. Right. Unquestionably, there's nobody that's that is better than her. There's no one who's had greater success. You know, you might personally yeah. she legitimized the show, really. Right. You know, like you might say, well, I love Fantasia or I love Carrie Underwood. You know, like you could Carrie Underwood's those. pretty, pretty high up there. She but is. She, but she's a, a genre artist. But there are, yeah. you know, there are a number of other stars that the show produced. People really like Clay Aiken, you know. People like the personalities, you know, people feel an attachment that for them for one reason or another. But Kelly Clarkson, people liked from the jump because, in point of fact, she is an exceptional, unbelievable singer. One mm. of the best women singers of the last quarter century. And yeah. uh, and in addition to that, uh, then as her career has gone on, you've seen that she is a legitimate artist that actually does care about what she's doing cares about her image and cares about um, producing music that she feels that she can stand behind. That's the reason why her third album is a flop is because she <laughs> got into a huge fight with Clive Davis over it and she they wanted- didn't support the album particularly and she got really angry and he was really angry and it was just one of those things where they felt that it wasn't right and she said, no, I want to put this album out as I intend it to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that for the fact that that album is not successful i think that third album is in part the reason why people do respect her because she took a risk even if it didn't pay off yeah like sometimes the the risk doesn't pay off in the short Mm -hmm. but in the long game it does and i have always sort of seen that third album as being that right and you know kelly clarkson career like really should have died with the first album because that, mm-hmm. that album's not good and they gave her a lot no. of crappy songs yeah the miss independent that was her single and it's just it's just it's very flat and it's got a um you know what it is um uh my wife uh, raven said this i, I, I played mm-hmm. it for her because she had never heard it before mm-hmm. and uh she said that just the pacing of the song is it like it's bothersome because <laughs> it's it's neither slow nor fast enough. It just lives in this weird dead space, and so it just sounds wrong. That album was uh, just successful enough to sustain her to the second album, and uh, she, I think she said she's lucky that she was able to get Miss Independent out right before From Justin to Kelly hit because American Idol was seriously trying to destroy her career. Man was much more successful with uh, with other people much later, but yeah, and she was able to keep these songs afloat just by virtue of being a fantastic vocalist. Like a moment like this, the first song she released, that is a terrible song. That is an absolutely terrible song, and she makes it work. I mean, Carrie Underwood's a very good vocalist too, and she was given a similarly terrible song, and that song I can't stand to listen to. But you know, if a moment like this comes on, I can, yeah, you know, I can, I can deal with this. Because she's just that good. And uh, since you've been gone, she just absolutely destroys. I mean, she belts that sucker. And I I'm no, I don't think anyone else could have... Uh, like, it would have been a very good song, possibly with someone else. It, it is, wouldn't have been that song. It is probably the greatest crossover hit of the 2000s. Because it's a pop song, but it also has this indie sort of uh, sensibility to it. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, because they were ripping off the AES, but like, yeah, like I said, I remember the indie rock crowd just really being into it. I, I think Ted Leo did a cover of it. He did, and that's sort of interesting too. I was going to say if you sort of uh, judge these songs on that metric, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Ted Leo did a cover. There's a number of other covers. Oh yeah, tons, done, tons, tons, tons of since you've been gone covers, and then that was like, but that was like dropped like right at the time. But it, what's interesting about um, get the party started. And I wonder if we can sort of factor it in in our conversation. Is that it had a remix? It did. It I, did. What is this? So um, it was a remix. Uh, they recorded it. It had some success in France. There is a really cool live video of it. I wish that this was a video podcast <laughs> in this moment, but um, they pinked as this Cirque du Soleil kind of thing where she's up on ribbons and stuff mm-hmm. with another uh, performer, and it's absolutely incredible. But it is um, Get the Party Started mixed with Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. Which version? The, uh, the, the classic. The, okay. The, the Eurythmics, not the Marilyn Manson. Because it would not be out of character for Pink to do like Marilyn Manson stuff. Yeah, I, I could see that. But no, it's the Eurythmics version of it. And um, it fucking bangs. It is a yeah. banger. It's it For my money... That version of the song is much better. It's a really interesting mashup that she did. It's a having seen a live performance of it. It also reminds you that um, "Get the Party Started" is really great in a room. You know, you know, we're talking about how great Kelly Clarkson is. I think like a, just a few months ago, uh, a new Pink single came out, and it's not technically new. It's uh, they're like pop covers of the Greatest Showman soundtrack. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she did. She did a song from The Greatest Showman. I knew that. Yeah, it was on the radio. It was like, I think it was a million dreams. Is that the name of it? I'm not like a. I'm not one of the greatest showman super fans. Which are I don't. A major I, I am thing. the weird person that doesn't hate that movie. But, I don't uh, hate it either. I'm not one of like the weird super fans who are like all about that thing. But I was listening to it. and I was like, oh my god, has Pink been this good a singer the entire time? Because she absolutely nails it. And I was like really admiring it and i was like wow yeah she did a million dreams sorry yeah just 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 because just, just i looked it up on my computer like a pro and that just and kelly of, clarkson is also on that album doing a cover of never enough which is the song that involves yeah. a lot of really loud ass belting surprise <laughs> that, surprise that it is i was just kind of inspired by that to go back and reevaluate pink because pink has always been successful but she's never been like the hot shit like Kelly Clarkson was in 2005, like the critical darling of the pop world. And in fact, I, I saw someone say something on in the comments. It showed up in one of those Black Mirror episodes, like one of the ones where they go back to 2002. And there's like, yeah, that's that's a song of 2002. It's really dated. It's not timeless like Since You've Been Gone. And I'm like, you know, actually, I think that's kind of what I like about it. Like, it really captures a moment in time. It takes me right back to where it was. Just like even just the opening notes, like, <laughs> as does uh, all the singles off of that uh, album, Don't Let Me Get Me, Just Like a Pill. You know, we're, we're t- talking about Kelly Clarkson. Pink started this shit. Pink got the party started. Because, like, at the time, in 2001, we, we had this idea of what pop was. It was Britney. It was Christina. It was, uh, you know, the Backstreet Boys and stuff like that. The, well, the Max Martin sound, as we called it at the time, because that's where Max Martin got his start. The, yep. What Pink did, to, you know, to mix her uh, pop with R&B, with, uh, with rock, it set the tone for the entire decade. 
Like, I'm not sure we have like an Avril or a Kelly Clarkson or even like a Hannah Montana without her. Here's like, the th- here's here's the thing. I agree with you completely. If this was yeah. artist versus artist, <laughs> I would have taken Pink. But it's song versus song. That's the thing, you know. I mean, and look, it's good. I mean, I think part of this podcast is 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 revisiting and and sort of giving a historical context for the songs. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think that uh, Pink, as an artist, has been more influential as far as just music in general. Kelly Clarkson um, is influential in the sense that she gave legitimacy to um, oh the song competition shows yes like there would be no american idol would not have sustained um there wouldn't be nbc's the voice or any of the other ones like nbc's the voice has been on for i don't even know how many years a really long time now but there would be no the voice without american idol and there would be no american idol without kelly clarkson you know you can say that paul abdul and, and randy jackson and simon cowell play their part and they certainly do they are powerful personalities and that's great and everything. But if they hadn't had a really great winner for that first year, there's no way they would have sustained. So I think that it's interesting to see where they fit in history and what legitimacy they provide. I will always see Kelly Clarkson as providing legitimacy to a small person coming up through a competition to become successful. She proved that that was a thing that could happen and nothing can ever take that away. But Pink was a person who started off in one genre and proved that she could not only cross over into a completely different one, but that she could drag the entire music industry by the fucking ear if she had to and make them do something different. And I think that that is pretty goddamn notable. Uh, Yeah, like I said, would Kelly Clarkson have had the, you know the opening to do what she did if she, you know, Pink had, and, you know, Pink had, you know, talks about this a lot. She even wrote a song about it. Like she had like a serious discussion with her label heads where she says it wasn't an argument exactly, but it wasn't like a fun, it wasn't a fun time at the office. She convinced L.A. Reid and the other label heads to give her the opening to make things much different than how they wanted it. And they were extremely skeptical, but, you know, they were convinced reluctantly to let her do that and that's you know that's huge for not even just like uh the the immediately followers but like any artist who has taken control of their own uh own destiny after that that's a you know just proof that this can work yeah i always think about um singers as being uh like freelancers (laughs) you know um i always think i find them very relatable now and i think probably most people listening to this podcast most of us are living that freelancer life you know actual desktops are rarer and rarer (laughs) as time goes on uh so if you're a content creator especially um you know you definitely don't have a day job you've got people outlets who let you do things if you're lucky and maybe it's enough to make a living and i think of singers uh trying to make in the music industry as being very similar and very rarely but on occasion uh, you will find somebody that is so uh, genre redefining that um, they will make it so that other people can do their jobs better. You know, I actually, you know what? I would say your friend and mine um, in, in what we do, Lindsay Ellis, perfect example. <laughs> she Hi, is, Lindsay. she is the, she is the pink of, of what we do. If there had never been, cause you know, it's like you had uh, Doug Walker doing his thing and you had uh, uh, the nerd doing his thing, right? Like right. those two guys had kind of had set a tone. But 
they were, you know, the, the concept of an angry reviewer, you know, like thing bad. Let me talk about why thing bad. And then Lindsay started doing that at first and then suddenly turned around and said, but what if these were actual full video essays where we sat down and had a conversation about genre on the whole and where this thing fits and how it sort of has impact on the larger context and on the larger world. There really wasn't anybody else that was doing it before. So I think that that's anyway, the whole point is that, you know, every once in a while a freelancer comes through and, and sort of breaks the mold in a really profound way. And I think pink does that. Um, Pink is, uh, is yeah, the sorry to get a little inside it, baseball on there, but that's a, listen, <laughs> most people listening to this podcast know, know who, know are, who yes. Lindsay fucking Ellis yeah. is, uh, and that's fine. So yeah. I think it's interesting. And another thing that I think is really interesting about Pink is that um, I don't know how she felt at the time, but back in uh, 2017, uh, she was on a talk show, um, one of the, the many um, Andy Cohen joints. I'm still not entirely clear what that man is famous for, but uh, I mean he's he's a, he's a guy who knows people and therefore is able to get a pretty good interview out of folks. Okay, uh, he's an interviewer. I guess he has a show then. Okay, yeah. Right. I mean he's yeah he's he's a he's he's good at what he does. Okay, so he had the show uh, called Watch What Happens Live, and he had Pink on, and he had questions that people had sent in, and one of the questions was, I heard a rumor that um, since you've been gone was originally sent to you, and are you mad? <laughs> that uh, Kelly Clarkson wound up having all of this enormous success and that song is so iconic and it could have been yours. And yeah. what Pink said was, have you heard the Kelly Clarkson version? <laughs> I could never sing what she sang on that track. I don't have the range for it. And so I am happy that Kelly had that success. I'm glad she got that song. I would never have been able to do the song the way that she did it. And I love Kelly Clarkson and I'm a huge fan of hers. And then um, Andy Cohen made a big thing about how the two of them should do a duet together. And someone had sent a question uh, or a comment about them doing, I forget what it was, like some real like like uh, Barbara Streisand and Bette Midler or something kind of like yeah. – I forget. There was it was it was too. Was older. it was it the Barbara Streisand Donna Summer song? That's the one. Yeah. So someone had recommended that, and uh, and she said um, that she would be afraid to sing a song with Kelly Clarkson. And yet, interestingly, a month later, she was up on a stage with Kelly Clarkson at um, I think it was uh, the the American Music Awards 2017, uh. and they did a cover of Everybody Hurts. Oh, wow. It's a lot of, you know, I mean, like, it's two um, divas singing, so it's a very different version of the <laughs> yes. R.E.M. Like, I'm, I'm still going I'm I'm sure to take the R.E.M. version over yeah. that any day. But, it you know, it was kind of cool to see uh, a conversation happen where Pink said she was kind of nervous to do it. And then there, there they were. And you know what? They're actually pretty good together. Yeah. Like, it's not a bad cover. It's just that. It's very hard to cover that song, um, but it was it was kind of cool to see. And I think another thing that really speaks to Pink and Kelly Clarkson is that uh, I'm sure they have egos, but they went out and sang a song together. That's, you know, I mean, like, if they're willing to set that stuff aside, whatever, you know, intensity that each of them has and do something like that, I think it speaks pretty well to both of them. Well, you know, like, we're talking about who gets the first crack at whoever's song. Uh, Kelly Clarkson's song on the charts, well, I don't know if it's charted or anything, but her current song, we talked about this before, but like her current song, Broken and Beautiful, was written by Pink. Yeah. (laughs) It's fascinating. Yeah. And that's really cool. I mean, I think, again, it's, you know, it's one of those things, uh, you know, that there's this uh, this thing that people value on the internet. It's called authenticity. Yes, yes, yes. Um, 
Pink and Kelly Clarkson have it in uh, spades. They both have, and it's you. You would think, right? They should. They shouldn't, by all accounts, by where they started, that Pink existed within the Britney sphere, right? And uh, at the beginning, even though she's nothing like her, she was still part of that era of music. And that Kelly Clarkson came up from American Idol, right? She was yeah. prefabricated, brought in. But you know that both yeah. of them have had songs written by these, you know, these hit makers. This sort of, you know, twenty first century Brill Building kind of era of music. Right. And so you would think they should have no authenticity whatsoever. Right. We would, you know, if we lived in, quote, sellout culture anymore, which I feel like I guess we don't. But we do live in a culture where um, authenticity is really hard to come by and it's really easy to lose. And they both still have it. Like, it's it's actually really hard to judge these two songs um, as anything more or less than just the song themselves. Because I think if you just look at both of them, there's so much to recommend. They're both really incredible artists and really incredible people. If I, if I can step back for it, I don't, I don't want this to be like a total praise fest. Cause you know, I've had, there's plenty of songs by both of them. That I don't like. And in fact, I'm not humongous on either of their 2010s output. I think they've kind of been coasting for a little while, but I, you know, it's hard to not like them as people and not like appreciate uh, their presence in the, in fact, I have scribbled down here, like Pink was like trying to be like the 2000s pop version of Joan Jett. And oh, I, yeah, that's a good point. And uh, she, you know, the badass rocker chick. And Kelly Clarkson was like the 2000s pop version of Pat Benatar. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my. I had never thought about that before. That's really that's a good scribble, sir. Yeah. You've done scribbled real good. I also had wrote down there that and Gwen Stefani was our Debbie Harry. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah. Is now the time for me to say that I want to do another uh, girl, <laughs> um, girl singer versus girl singer episode, and it's going to be um, the uh, 1995 um, competition: just a girl versus stupid girl. Oh. 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 You mean the garbage song? Yes. Oh, hold on. I was. I was thinking you were talking about like stupid girls. Which is the Pink song from 2006. Oh, no, no, uh, sir. No, I was talking about two songs that technically found their footing as hits in 1995. Uh, Gwen Stefani versus Shirley Manson. I'm just going to put it out in the ether that I think that that's a good episode. Yeah. Well, I'm, let me say Stupid Girls is by Pink is like one of my least favorite by her. Yes, but Stupid Girl by Garbage is... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I just wanted to do a thing where it's like, it's 1995, two, yeah. two girl singers... With songs with girl in the title uh, is kind of fun. I mean, it would, I wish that I could do Spiderwebs versus uh, Only Happy When It Rains uh, just because those are the songs that I like from those albums. <laughs> I love Spiderwebs is like all day. I'll listen to that song a hundred times a day if I if I wanted to. And I did in 1995. Uh, and Only Happy When It Rains is just <laughs> fucking rules. What a good goddamn fucking song. I did always kind of associate Gwen's like No Doubt and Garbage, even though they are absolutely nothing alike. It's because it's because they came up at the same time. Their success yeah. happened simultaneously. Anyway, um, that's for that's for a future episode. Maybe I'll keep massaging it with Todd. Yeah. Uh, but um, but yeah. All right. So do you have any like we've actually talked for quite a while. Do we have any comments from folks? There was because okay. a lot of people did talk. By the way, um, we tweeted out to get people's responses. Uh, and so if we don't mention every single thing, I apologize. We're going to be better at that. And thank you very much for responding. Yeah. Well, I called some comments there from the Patreon from the Twitter. I saw a couple of amusing ones that I just wanted to read. First off, from Franco Del Rosario, he says, and I quote, I recently saw a cover that Shirley Bassey did of Get the Party Started. It, Shirley Bassey being, you know, the 
singer of various Bond themes, Goldfinger and so yep, on. Yep. And he says, it was like seeing your grandma trying to perform bad romance. I can't lie when I say it soured me on the pink song quite a bit. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I, sorry, Shirley. I'm very, I apologize. Well, let me, let me say for the record, Miss Bassey, if you're listening, I actually went and sought it out after you mentioned that it's actually kind of awesome. I'm going to have to disagree with this guy. Oh, that is <laughs> cool. Apparently it's off like the cats and dogs Two soundtrack. So this oh. is not a ringing endorsement, but yeah. Listen, I like when old biddies come out and, and say, <laughs> "Like I'm 50." I like that. You know, I mean, I'm always, I'm always gonna be in in in, in an old biddies corner. That's kind of that's kind of where I live. Okay, this one comes from Ryan C. I, I'm. He didn't say who he voted for. I'm guessing he voted for since he's been gone because he says, "Quote in get this party started." She says the a word, which was very offensive to nine year old me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I yeah. I was not that young, but I was like, wow. I always went like 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 literally kissing her ass or like I'll be something something. You'll, you'll be, be kissing, kissing my ass. It's like Shirley Bassey just breaks down laughing when she sings that line. By oh, the it's way. amazing. That's pretty good. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, actually, you know that thing that you we, we mentioned Kesha and uh, Matthew Evans um, on Twitter said get the party started is Pink getting away with the music we derided Kesha for making. I, I don't think Pink was like underrided, let's say. I don't remember. I guess maybe my memory is a little foggy, well, but you know, I don't like remember I, being, I don't remember her being derided for that. Derided, no, but like not exactly respected, not the way she is now. Like, I guess it's, you know, I think every time I look up stuff from this era, you know, there's always articles talking about how music was changed by the advent of um, Napster, Napster, BitTorrent, yeah. and then the iPod. Right. Because at that point it wasn't about albums anymore, and so it didn't fucking matter. You could you could listen to the most indie rock thing, and then the next thing you could listen to was get the party started, and yeah. it didn't goddamn matter. You know, like that was it. It became that became normal, and it was around that time that uh, you know, I would say around two thousand one to two thousand five that that became increasingly normal. That's why sellout culture also started to kind of go away. Yeah. Well, you know, I I loved. Uh Kelly Clarkson instantly. I was not into pink at the time and I was not into pop music at the time. I remember and maybe that's why it sounds so fresh for me now because I've never really listened to it with like my current ears until like pretty recently. I had like an indie rock friend who was all about that album Misunderstood and we all just made fun of him. It was like, this is ridiculous. Who the <laughs> fuck do you think you are? Get the fuck away from me. <laughs> you piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anybody else? Anything? I apologize. I forgot to write the name down of who wrote this one. Uh, Since You've Been Gone has to get my vote because it is such a perfect song that Kelly Clarkson has tried to remake it at least five times. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is true. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's, 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 we've been talking for 45 minutes. All right. Hey, oh, you... hey, hey, Todd, what are the results of the? Oh, you know, you, you said, like, I'm going to convince you at the end of this. Okay, okay, yes, I'll, I'd give it to Since You've Been Gone. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. like, really, ultimately, it's just, it really boils down in this case to it's one song versus another song. Yeah. And Since You've Been Gone is just, it's got a better chorus, it's got a better pace to it, it just feels more memorable. I, like I said, I like that remix of Get the Party Started very much, but even then, 
I don't, and you know, and if, if at that point, then you also have to give credit to the Eurythmics. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think ultimately, I've seen, I've seen Pink do a lot of that circus stuff she does on tour. She's like on the trap trapeze and everything. It's amazing. Pink is fucking dope, dude. Yeah. Like that's like you know when I say that I'm taking one song over another yeah, song yeah. and I'm not giving it to Pink on this song versus song that doesn't that takes no shine off of Pink as yeah. as an artist and especially as a performer. So how badly did she lose? Okay, the final vote totals are. Get the party started, 109 votes. Since you've been gone, 260 for a crushing 70 to 30 percent win. Whew. I think is that, is that, is that the most crushing uh, defeat slash victory that we've witnessed on the show so far? It may be. It might be. Here's a fun thing that's going to happen in the moment right now. We decided what the next episode was going to be, mm-hmm. and I think that it is up for debate. So the next episode was going to be, uh, and I think it should still be The Artists that we said it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was going to be The Smiths versus The Cure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had said it was going to be uh, This Charming Man versus Friday I'm In Love. Mm-hmm. But I recognize that Friday I'm In Love, though it is um, arguably um, in the top three favorite songs of all time for me, it is mm-hmm. technically an Idney song. So I am proposing right here and right now that it should be This Charming Man versus Boys Don't Cry. Boys Don't Cry, really? We're going to go... I was a it, I mean, technically they recorded it in 79, but it's an 80s hit. That is an entirely fitting, and uh, yeah, you know, you've been wanting to <laughs> pick pick these songs for a while now, and uh, I think that's a much closer and tighter uh, fit for it than uh, Friday I'm In Love. Yeah, let's do it. Boys Don't Cry versus This Charming Man. That is a, that is a good, solid matchup right there. All right. Like- we had discussed this earlier. I'm going to maintain where I was. Uh, I am going to take um, Boys Don't Cry by The Cure, mm-hmm. and you will take The Smiths. Yeah. And once again, it's going to be a, it's not going to be an easy victory, song versus song, but I'll tell you what, um, Robert Smith seems like a much cooler, more chill, nice individual than Morrissey. I look forward to the next episode where we just bash Morrissey for a while. <laughs> it will be, it will be quite a bit. And uh, no, no, don't, and yeah. remember- you can support us on Patreon.com, which is where we put up the polls where you can vote. You only need an account to vote, but if you wanted to also toss us a couple dollars, please do that. You can leave comments for us, and we, if they're particularly amusing, we'll read them on the air. And uh, catch us at our uh, Twitters. I'm on Shadow Todd. I'm at Danny Ordinary. That's Danny with one N, Ordinary also with one N. And also remember that if you do give money to the podcast, that means that you get to also get our podcast, our exclusive episode, which we're going to be doing once a month. Uh, the next episode, it's always going to be um, sort of like a music movie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next one that's going to come out, which will be out next month, will be the Elton John biopic Rocket Man. And uh, we already have one up on Ugly Dolls, and Kit, the, the Kelly Clarkson movie, which uh, kind of inspired this episode. So uh, catch that. We'll catch you later. Bye.